This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Thanks. Well, good evening. Uh, my name is Erica Oliver. I'm one of the ministers here. And tonight we're going to be thinking about the spiritual fruit of gentleness. Now, I have to admit, I am coming to you as a sinner, no saint. Gentleness is definitely not my strongest point. Just ask my husband. <laughs> and pregnancy has not exactly helped. There's like no filter. Sometimes when you're pregnant, you're just like saying things and you're like, wow, I really shouldn't have said that. Um, and people sometimes see me and they see like a short Asian woman, you know, who's a Christian minister and they think, oh, look how sweet and gentle she is. But it's, yeah, I'm from California as well, and the sass kind of comes out. So I'm coming to you as a sinner. Um, and so how about we pray? We start by prayer, and we ask for God's help. Well, Lord, um, we need your Holy Spirit to transform us and to make us more like you and to help us to understand what it means to be gentle and to practice it in our lives. So I pray that... You'd renew our minds and renew our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, I thought it's really important to start by defining gentleness because it's actually very different to perhaps how it's commonly understood. In the Bible, gentleness, is a, it's not weakness or fragility, but instead it is the power to properly be temperate, and to be kind, avoiding unnecessary harshness. It is the ability to exercise God's strength under his control. Now, the word on top, prautis, is the Greek word. And the root pra, the first part of the word, emphasizes that gentleness or meekness, which is synonymous with it, it's um, not just a virtue, it's actually um, a fruit that has divine origins. And so, hence why it's a spiritual fruit. We need God to develop this strength into our lives. So gentleness is not weakness. It is strength under control. That's how the Bible um, defines gentleness. Now, if you want an analogy, think of gentleness like a horse. A wild horse is actually quite dangerous. And it has the power to break our bones with just one kick. So you can go to the next side. Um, so they're actually like this is two horses mating, uh, not mate. <laughs> there are two horses fighting to mate, and they can be quite violent. But actually, a horse that's been tamed and trained understands to control its power. Next slide. And there can be gentle enough for even a little child to ride on. And most of us would actually consider horses not to be dangerous animals, but to be gentle animals. Now, when it comes to gentleness, um, oh, Jesus says something quite tremendous. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness being synonymous with gentleness. Now, actually, if you think about it, that is a radical claim. Because in today's society, we might think that those who will inherit the earth are actually the smartest, 
the ones with degrees from the most prestigious institutions, or they might be the wealthiest, or those with the strongest leadership abilities. We wouldn't exactly think that the earth belongs to those who are gentle. I mean, even in our own context of the eastern suburbs, I have to say, people, they like to flex their power around here sometimes. And complaining and giving critical feedback is kind of a part of our culture. Some people believe that giving you harsh feedback is really good for you, that you'll um, learn your lesson or that you'll finally um, change. So they, they've done you a favor sometimes by giving you harsh feedback. And you might find, if you've ever done customer service in the eastern suburbs, that people have no qualms with telling you when you've messed up and how you better fix it right now. I was talking to the um, guy who works at the post office, and he was like, yeah, yeah, sometimes I get that. <laughs> and James was like, I've actually seen it happen to you. Um, so that's kind of our own context of the eastern suburbs. But on a macro level, if we look at the leading politicians in our time, we wouldn't exactly say that most of them got to where they are through their gentleness. Um, if we look at their Twitter accounts, we wouldn't exactly say it's their shining quality. And <laughs> they actually find that, you know, they have to say that if someone does something wrong, this is more Donald Trump, but if, if a country does something wrong, that they will feel the full force of America on their backs. And they like to, like, show and put on display their power. So how is it that Jesus makes such a claim that it's the meek who will own the earth? And that's not the only thing the Bible tells us about gentleness. The Bible is just full of commands that we should be kind, forgiving, patient, and gentle. Next slide, please. We'll just go through a few. Ephesians 4, 1-2, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another, one another in love. Galatians 1, 6, 1 says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Or 1 Peter 3, 15, 16. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to any, everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence, and keep a good conscience, so that in the, the, thing, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. And there's a next slide, but I won't read those for the sake of time. So you can see here that the Bible has a high value of gentleness, and it continuously tells us that we should be gentle. Now, I'm going to tell us for the rest of the sermon two reasons why we can actually invalidate gentleness in our lives. And I'm also going to then try and refute those two things that we often tell ourselves and try and make a defense for gentleness. So, number one, and this is probably if you are under the age of 45, 
or maybe 60, because there, is a, there has been a big cultural shift, and that is the value of authenticity. So in recent decades, society has told us that it's really important to be our authentic selves. And part of that authenticity is to allow yourself to feel emotion. That suppression is bad, and expression is good. And if you're angry, you need to let the other person know because you're letting them see your true self. And in this way, anger is often considered to be a good. Now, what are we to make this make of this as if we're Christians? Well, the reality is, is that if we are Christians, we have a part of ourselves that we should deny. That is, our sinful selves, our flesh. And that we should instead pursue our authentic selves by pursuing who God is calling us to be. We don't find our true selves by just looking inward, but by pursuing who God is calling us to be. And letting him transform us into that kind of likeness. What's more is that we are spiritual people. And I don't just mean when you kind of go to a yoga class and you know, people are like, I'm spiritual, and that's great, like it's a spiritual part of your life. But I mean, we are born again in the spirit. And we live on this earth, but actually our kingdom is God's kingdom. And our values need to be God's values. So even if it's not obvious that gentleness will take you further in life, we need to trust in what God says. And we can't operate just the way that everyone else operates. We need to be different. We can't conform. As it says in Romans 12:2. do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, another thing that's kind of obvious is that a person who is quick to lose their temper or resort to ag aggression or violence is actually not that strong. It's anything but strength. It's a display of weakness that we can't control our emotions. It takes a greater amount of resilience to submit our anger to the Lord and to respond with gentleness. So the second reason why people deny gentleness, and this one's a bit complicated, it requires quite a bit of nuance, so kind of stick with me is a hunger for justice and truth. Now, people feel connected to their strong emotion of anger and discontentment because they believe it's a sign of self-respect or masculinity or, if, oh, you're a woman, a kind of vindication of equality. And if you react to insults or wrongs without anger, you'll be seen as spineless and get downtrodden. And to be mistreated in such a way is just unjust. When people wrong you, says conventional wisdom, you should use justified rage to put them in their place and to exact a penalty. Now, here's where it gets quite tricky, especially for Christians. So we have a God who is just. And he displays righteous anger at times in the Bible. 
Jesus was rightly outraged when he saw that the temple was being turned into a marketplace, and he turned the money changers' tables, displaying indignation. And in the Old Testament, we see that God severely punishes the Canaanites for their practice of child sacrifice. And what's more is we're called to emulate Christ, and we're also asked to bring justice into this world. We're called to help the poor and defend the weak. So in the face of injustice, we can easily justify our own anger and acts of harshness and our judgment against others. And now here's a challenge. If we look across the Bible, there are far, far, far more commands that are clear and concise for us as his people to be gentle, to be kind, to turn the other cheek, to bless our enemies. Then there are illusions that we should replicate God's wrath. Now, does that mean that we should never speak the truth, or we shouldn't right wrongs, or we shouldn't be a boundaried person, or pursue justice? No, not at all. But because we see this repetition of God asking us to be gentle and kind and forgiving, and to correct people in a way that's soft and gentle, there is a right way of going about justice. And what's more is that there are points in scripture that tell us that it's not our role to take revenge against others and act as ultimate judge. As it says in Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. So this practice of gentleness it actually takes profound trust that God will repair and restore everything that's ever been broken. He's going to make it right. And only he can see the full truth of a situation or a state of someone's heart when they do something. And he asks us in some way to relinquish revenge to him. Now, you know, it's not very difficult to let the world make you be a bitter and hard person. All you have to do is live, and sooner or later, you'll get mistreated by someone, whether that be based on something about who you are, like your age, or your race, or your sex, or your gender. Or you might just experience an, an unjust loss or heartbreak, or betrayal in a relationship. And Jesus tells us that in this world, we will experience trials and hardship. He doesn't ask us to be gentle, thinking that life is going to be all roses. He calls us to be gentle, knowing full well that this world is broken, and that we will be mistreated. Which is why he also tells us to put our hope in him, to find rest in him, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So remember how I said that gentleness, um, that, and I showed you that root is pra, which means that it's divine in origins. You can only value gentleness if you believe in a God who is the ultimate judge. 
You can't just conjure up such a virtue because if there is no just God, then you have to take vengeance into your own hands. You're the last one. Or the other option is you'll become a stoic and say, there is no justice in this world. There's no hope. But I love that Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. He's saying, put your trust in me. And that he will give you rest. You can rest in knowing that he will bring justice. So those are the two things, two ways that we can often justify our own anger and why we should still pursue gentleness. Now I'm just going to end with a few practical tips that the Bible gives us on how we can cultivate gentleness in our lives through the Spirit. Number one, and I think it's next slide. Next slide. Great. This is one's from Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh, a harsh word stirs up anger. If someone comes at you with harshness, yours to respond with gentleness. Now, there's something neuroscientists have found, and that's called mirror neurons. And so it's really normal that if someone else raises their voice, you want to raise your voice. Or if someone lowers their voice, you want to lower your voice. We're quite reactionary as human beings. And God calls us to respond with harshness, with gentleness. And that way, kind of being different, being like salty on the earth. So try and practice that. I did. <laughs> Someone sent me a very angry, upset email, and I was like, writing one back. I was like, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, no, I need to be gentle, which is probably why God had me like do this sermon, because he knew I needed to work on this. But try it. Next one, that everyone should be quick to listen. So just next slide, thanks. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Be a good listener. If someone wrongs you, instead of giving a harsh word back, try and ask questions. How they're going, why that might have happened. If they know that what they said made you feel a certain way. Seek understanding. Next slide. Thank you. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of, any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Be someone who's quick to forgive. Don't make someone pay for what they've done before you forgive them. That can come in the form of silent treatment or you know, angry response and then say, but that's really, that's okay. But actually be someone who is quick to forgive, knowing that Christ has forgiven us. And he took the payment on himself on the cross. And lastly, it says in Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. If someone does wrong you, try and be restorative, not retributive. Try and bring that person back. 
It's a challenge. It's going to take spiritual strength. It's going to take trust in the Lord. But I encourage you to be gentle and reflect on God's generous and gentle spirit. How even when we were enemies, he took us in and he forgave us. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St. Mark's.